This is Very Public Affairs, the podcast of the Centre for Corporate Public Affairs. Here's your host, Wayne Burns. Welcome to Very Public Affairs, the podcast of the Centre for Corporate Public Affairs. I'm Wayne Burns. In this pod, we'll be talking stewarding the corporate brand, the stakeholder brand, with the Centre's senior associate, Melanie McMillan. Mel, who has spent more than three decades advising scores of corporations on how to best steward the corporate brand, is known by many as a type of brand doctor. I started asking Melanie about the difference between a retail brand and the corporate brand, most frequently managed in the corporate public affairs function. Welcome to the program, Melanie. Uh, Today we'll be talking about brands. So just to kick us off, what's the difference between a stakeholder brand which is often stewarded by the corporate public affairs function and say a purely retail brand. Thanks, Wayne. I think, um, I mean, I think in addressing the question, it's important to firstly describe the brand as a construct. I mean, there are many academic definitions and probably the one that's easiest to understand is from respected University of Berkeley academic David Acker, who's over the last two decades is regarded as the leader on brands and brand strategy. And David Acker's definition is is quite simply that a brand is a set of expectations, memories, stories and relationships that taken together account for a consumer's decision to choose one product or service over another. But I I particularly like a more colloquial definition of a brand. And I came across this some years ago when I was working in London, which is a brand is the sum of the good, the bad, the ugly and the one-off strategy, defining the best products and services as well as the worst. It's defined by the accomplishments of the best employees as well as by the mishaps of the worst employees that were ever hired. It's defined by the organisation's relationships, the music that's played on hold, and the derisory comments overheard in corridors. Brands are imperfect and forever flawed because you can't control a brand. At best, you can only guide and nurture a brand. Brands are imperfect and forever flawed because they're ultimately human creations. So in addressing your question, there are brands that are designed to build relationships with specific customer segments, be that a consumer or a business-to-business market, and brands that are focused on a specific set of stakeholders. The difference is principally the audience with whom the brand needs to prioritise in terms of building strong, open and mutually beneficial relationships. So there are instances from what you're saying of uh, the stakeholder brand also being the B2B or B2G brand. Um, For instance, Coca-Cola, Walmart, IAG, Woolworths, would, would that be correct? Absolutely. I mean, the majority of brands have different customer and stakeholder audiences and they need to understand those individual customer and stakeholder needs and engagement preferences. This is really integral to the complexity of brand strategy. You know, how do you build and sustain strong relationships over time with diverse customer and stakeholder audiences? I mean, the brand's identity, which comprises its values, characteristics and purpose, need to be clearly and consistently expressed, including the manner in which the brand builds and sustains a positive relationship through, you know, appropriate engagement with different audiences. Each segment or stakeholder needs to be understood in terms of their attitudes towards and relationship expectations of a brand and how the brand should effectively communicate and engage with a specific segment or audience. So in terms of when you think about the marketing function, uh, management function, and then the corporate public affairs function, 
Um, how important do you think it is that the stewardship be understood or in between the, the stakeholder brand and, and maybe the retail brand? Often colleagues in marketing saying, well, we manage the brand for this whole organization, whereas that often is not necessarily true. How, how important do you think that clarity is? And how, and how can you get that? Well, clarity? I think increasingly, I mean, I think increasingly it's, it's crucial that the two functional disciplines get together and understand their audiences because there is either a single brand or a, a group of brands. And the way the brand engages with consumer or B2B markets will be different to that of specific stakeholder segments, that typically the corporate affairs function will be stewarding and managing the relationship. So it is important because marketing needs to understand the breadth of stakeholders with whom the corporate affairs team or practitioners are in, engaging with and equally corporate public affairs practitioners need to understand the principal consumer segments or, or b2b segments of, of the organization and brand so sitting down and having that conversation um, and understanding the delineation it, it sounds pretty critical it is and also you know just the we're no longer dealing with, you know, homogenised markets. We're dealing with, you know, complex stakeholder and consumer segments, sub-segments, you know, the, the rise of the influencer, you know, particularly, you know, when I started out in marketing and, and communications, you know, it was very, very straightforward and, and almost predictable. Now you need to be very comfortable at managing with markets of one. You need, you know, you need to be alert to all the tools and that are available to you across the channel in order to effectively reach them, but also effectively engage with them. We've heard quite a lot about purpose-led organisations and the impact on the complexity of being purpose-led, interacting with corporate reputation, um, including the way uh, stakeholders are engaged. But what, what do we really mean when we're talking about uh, purpose led companies and, and, and strategy and, and how do you see it manifesting itself um, in reputation strategy? I mean, purpose-led reflects the shift that's occurred over the last decade from the era of the product, which implies, you know, the internal benefits for organisations through growth and profitability, to the era of the public where we are now in terms of the responsibility that all organisations have in supporting the communities in which they operate. It reflects, too, the ultimate corporate social responsibility that organisations have today, which is no longer an optional buy-in, but a minimum requirement or social licence to operate. I mean, really, for CSR practitioners, this is the defining hours after decades of driving focus and change. I mean, a purpose is, is a really, at its simplest, a high-level message about the essence of the organisation which reflects the organisation's ambition to go well beyond simply growing sales and profits to something that meaningfully and tangibly supports society's well-being. I mean, we've had in recent days an example of a very powerful global organisational purpose that's tangibly demonstrated by an organisation in Patagonia. I mean, yesterday, the founder of the Patagonia brand, Yvonne Schuenaar, gave away his and his family's entire share of the brand worth $3 billion to fight climate change. And the organisation will continue to contribute around $100 million a year to also fight climate change. Now, that's an extraordinary and admirable 
you know, purpose in action, which I would hope other organisations will seek to replicate. I mean, the urgency of societal and environmental problems has undoubtedly increased stakeholder pressure on organisations to think beyond financials and to prioritise some kind of meaningful and tangible community and environmental support to help society and, and safeguard our future. I mean, there's been an, a clear shift in consumption towards more values-based or purpose-led consumption, which has changed the dynamics of branding and brand strategies from emphasising, as I said earlier, product or service features to communicating values and actions in support of corporate social responsibility. I mean, what's emerging is that consumers and stakeholders are using an organisation's brand purpose as a filter for either supporting or punishing organisations through their buying power. Consumers feel that when they use a product or service of a socially responsible organisation, they're doing their part. The more socially responsible the organisation, the more supportive the community and consumers alike. I mean, we're operating in a time where the market expects organisations to be socially aware and to demonstrate how their organisation's values and behaviours contribute positively to the community. Consequently, organisations are compelled to revisit why they exist and create a purpose and make genuine commitments and actions in support of CSR. And this is particularly important for younger generations, the millennials and generations there. It's interesting what you said, the, the definition of the purpose-led organisation. Um, they have been around for quite a while, haven't they? You've got uh, companies like Cadbury and uh, Unilever, which were founded in, in the UK. Their history was very much um, being established as purpose led uh, organisations. So um, the model's been there for, for quite a while, but it, uh, it, it's been embraced with gusto over the last uh, couple of years. So we've got corporate responsibility. We have ESG, environment and social impact and good governance, and we've got purpose led. Do these pillars or concepts overlap? Or are they different labels for the same thing? Or are they quite discrete? I mean, the concept and practice of corporate social responsibility or CSR has been around for decades. I mean, CSR is a business model that helps an organisation ensure that they're socially accountable to themselves, to their stakeholders and to the public. I mean, the organisation brand or brands play a central role in creating and communicating the organisation's CSR strategy and highlighting how CSR is the filter through which the organisation undertakes business. I mean, in its infancy, CSR was a form of business self-regulation designed to contribute to societal goals, you know, typically in a philanthropic, you know, activist or charitable nature by engaging in or supporting volunteering or ethically oriented practice. But over time, this is intensified for the reasons I've covered and real social leadership is required by the organisation through the creation of programs that directly respond to a social or environmental challenge and that are credible and have the capacity to genuinely make a difference towards the challenge. I mean, CSR is the catch-all for the organisation's strategy and that is designed to support the public and the public's well-being and deliver shared value, not just organisational value. The scope of CSR has expanded over the last few decades to include 
climate change and environmental sustainability, human rights, and any aspect of the organisation's operation in which it can potentially hinder or harm the community and the environment. The organisation's purpose, as we've discussed earlier, brings to life the organisation's social beliefs and values and guides how the CSR strategy is developed, implemented, assessed and reported. ESG, on the other hand, Environment, Social and Governance, is a framework which is integrated into the organisation's business strategy, as is CSR, but is used to measure the organisation's effectiveness in delivering its purpose through the creation of shared value across environmental sustainability, social dimensions like diversity, inclusion and equity, and governance. So board effectiveness or cyber security, leadership structures, ethics, and so on. So there is, there, in your view, there, there is overlap. Our observation is it's, it's made stewarding or managing the, the corporate brand that much more complex. So what, in your view, are some of the corporate brands that have created value for shareholders and stakeholders by embracing being purchase-led? Well, I mean, I think there are many corporate brands that have become more vocal and showing their support for important social issues. I mean, these brands have revised their purpose, values and priorities to incorporate CSR as the brand's primary focus with things like products and services and financial performance very much secondary considerations. I mean, the ones that come to mind are people like Johnson & Johnson, and this has attracted a lot of negative um, media reporting about internal sort of machinations between the CEO's commitment and, and focus on CSR and that of his executive team and some of his board. But essentially, they've been, for the last 30 years, focused on reducing their environmental impact. Their CSR strategy encompasses wind power to provide safe water to communities around the world. Um, they even purchased their own energy supply to reduce pollution while providing a renewable and economical alternative to electricity. And, you know, they've been for years upfront about their public goal of having 100% of their energy needs from renewable sources by 2025. Some of the other ones, and I mean, I'm just picking on the most global and high profile. I mean, Coke, it's had a huge focus on sustainability across key areas, principally because it's been, you know, I mean, it's a high water user, its climate and its packaging has used plastics. So it's had, you know, it's had a moral imperative as well to address sustainability. And so its strategy has focused on climate packaging and agriculture and water for some years now run a brand message around a world without waste with the aim of collecting and recycling every bottle and making their packaging 100% re recyclable and replacing all water used in creating their drinks back to the environment to address water scarcity. They aim that by 2030 they'll have reduced their carbon footprint by 25%. And even, you know, brand that you probably don't think of but Lego has, has invested $400 million to accelerate their efforts around corporate social responsibility with a particular emphasis on sustainability. I mean, their focus is an obvious one to phase out single-use plastic packaging for its bricks with all packaging to be sustainable by 2025. And they're also looking at alternatives to paper boxes in partnership with the Forest Stewardship Council 
um, so that they can deliver zero waste and to ensure that they're carbon neutral. So, you know, many of these global organisations are well advanced in their purpose-led brand positioning strategies and corporate social responsibility. You're listening to Very Public Affairs, the regular podcast of the Centre for Corporate Public Affairs. The Centre is a membership by company organisation comprising 150 member corporations across Asia Pacific. We work with our members to disseminate international best practice on managing corporate public affairs. And we offer and deliver professional development to public affairs practitioners globally, including via our online learning platform. The Centre also conducts research into managing the function. Follow us on Twitter or LinkedIn, or visit us at www.accpa.com.au, or download the Centre's app, which is available both on iTunes and Google Play. You talked about some organisations, purpose-led organisations, um, becoming uh, advocates in uh, public policy areas or areas of um, social need or opportunity that they probably haven't traditionally have done before, which has led to accusations in, in a very negative connotation that, you know, these corporations are woke and that they're driving outside their lane. They're not uh, are sticking to their knitting. What, what's your view about the the corporate reputation and brand alignment required if, if companies are going to walk the talk on being purpose-led by taking public policy positions that may not be popular uh, with governments um, and other groups uh, in the community, but may well be uh, supported by their employees and some of their stakeholders and uh, can be directly related to their um, their purpose-led mission. I think fundamentally it's it's a time whereby organisations need to, to, to bring together their, the, the respective functional disciplines whether that's brand marketing, the marketing team, the corporate public affairs, government of government relations, there needs to be a greater level of integration and alignment across what the what the organisation and the brand means. What is its purpose? What is what is the reason that it exists? And that needs to be sanctioned and supported by the highest level of the organisation. So the board now must take a keen role in what does the organisation stand for? Why does it do what it does? What is its contribution to to society and the the benefit of the community overall? It needs to be across concepts like purpose-led, you know, brand positioning, it needs to be across corporate social responsibility and, you know, why ESG performance measurement is, is crucial. So I think it's it's presenting real challenges internally and it's bringing together organisational functions that typically have operated independently of one another. So there needs to be, you know, a high-level agreement as to how we're going to be positioned regardless of whether your function is to engage with, you know, typical general consumers or whether you're engaged with dealing with governments at the highest level or regulators or industry associations or consumer groups, the same message needs to be delivered. But fundamentally, before any of that occurs, there also needs to be internal engagement with employees across different parts of the business 
So if you're a large-scale global organisation, you need to overlay the cultural impediments and idioms that apply so that you've factored that into all of your considerations before you start to go externally and start to communicate what your organisation means, what it stands for, what drives it, what's its purpose. Thanks very much, Melanie. And part of your answer probably informs part of the answer for the final question I was going to ask you, and that is for our, our listeners who might be responsible for developing uh, corporate public affairs uh, strategy around the corporate brand, um, what's what's your advice on how to best develop that strategy? You, you mentioned that you know the board is partly responsible for that strategy as well, but are, are there particular insights that you can offer to practitioners as they seek to uh, you know renovate or um, start from uh, scratch uh, reputation yeah. corporate public affairs strategy for a purpose-led organization yeah I think it I mean it, it's it's a corollary to the to the previous answer I mean there are you know well conceived and effective processes that can be simply applied to the development of a brand rejuvenation strategy or a a repositioning or, you know, zero-based plan for a brand. But it comes back to building and reviewing and agreeing upon how the organisation is perceived. So that includes looking at the current state of the organisation's reputation where corporate, you know, public affairs practitioners will have a critical role in communicating that. Similarly, understanding, deeply understanding the key drivers, needs and expectations of your stakeholder audiences. Um, Understanding the performance of your products and services from a consumer or a B2B customer lens. Understanding perceptions of competitors. Because, again, one of the things is, you know, there's it, it has to start with some very robust analytical work and that's capturing all of the internal intelligence that exists around how the organisation is perceived, synthesising that into how the potential positioning territories that the organisation can potentially take. But equally, understanding the board's view and what is the business strategy in the immediate, mid and longer term and what are the macro forces that could impact on the success or otherwise of uh, that strategy. And so there are so many things in the external market that, that are in a state of flux. I and mean, when we have water scarcity, we're having um, climate change impacts. There are so many unknowns that can't be predicted. So how do you develop a brand purpose statement that allows for that and equally reflects also your own employee base, their perspectives around how they want the organisation to be reacting. Um, you know, is it is it around immediate volunteering in the event of a bushfire or, you know, what being really clear and having these discussions at the highest level of the organisation, having the executive um, sponsorship is fundamental to drive the necessary support and focus and to mitigate any kind of roadblocks or unforeseen challenges. I mean, often, you know, when you work in a functional area, you know, you can do your due diligence, you can consult widely with your, your functional colleagues, but if you don't have, you know, the executive mandate and support, that can die a death on the vine. I think 
making sure that you've clearly identified who has a legitimate role and voice in the creation of the corporate brand strategy. It's no longer the purview or the, you know, the exclusive domain of the brand marketers or the brand communicators. And I think ultimately it's bringing together those cumulative insights to work out what you can and what you can't legitimately own and demonstrate tangibly and credibly to the market that you believe in that purpose. Sounds like uh, that data will set you free. Uh, very, very important when and putting together strategy. Melanie, thank you very much for your insights today. And uh, thank you for uh, joining us on the podcast. This is Wayne Burns, uh, and we'll see you on the next episode of Very Public Affairs. Bye for now. If you enjoyed this episode of Very Public Affairs, subscribe in iTunes and leave a review. For more, visit the Centre for Corporate Public Affairs website at www.accpa.com.au.